Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast with Kyler Irwin. This is Capturing Wonder, and I'm really excited to have you guys here for our inaugural episode. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking with Jim Roberts. He's one of my good friends and mentors. He loves the Lord with all his heart, and he has a lot of wisdom to drop on us today. The idea of this podcast is capturing the wonder of the Lord. There's lots of questions we have in life, and I have lots of questions. I am a five on the Enneagram, if you guys know that. It's a person who likes to just dive deep into knowledge and just research and try to find answers to things. And so we're capturing wonder in this podcast. We're uh, we're wondering and we're trying to understand. And that's kind of what I'm going to be doing is interviewing lots of people, asking lots of questions, just trying to learn about life. And today our topic is adversity, how to overcome adversity and, and what that looks like in today's world. Especially right now, there's lots of challenges with COVID-19 and with all the issues that come along with that unemployment skyrocketing, economies shaking, uh, people losing their jobs, people losing loved ones. It's just a really, really tough time in the world. And so I asked Jim, who's in his mid to late 80s, he's lived a long life, he's seen a lot of things, and he has some great wisdom to drop on us for how to cope with tough times. Uh, and so for the first part of this, he's going to kind of give us a lesson. And I'm not going to talk very much. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because I want to hear his wisdom from the book of Job and how Job dealt with adversity and how he continued to praise God even when the times were tough, even when he lost loved ones, even when he lost everything he had. Uh, Job did not turn his back on God. And then after that, we'll have some questions and, and kind of let Jim talk some more. But I hope you guys really enjoy this. I hope you get something from this. I really did. Talk to you guys in a little bit after Jim talks. We'll wrap up the show. Let's enjoy Jim. The discussion I've had several times as part of a audio Bible study with two or three people uh, is based upon Job's experience with God. And in the first chapter... Uh, after the discussion of Satan and God and the take on Job and uh, you've been protecting him. So he, uh, God lets him do that, but he can't take his life, right? Mm -hmm. So what Satan does is wipe everything else out. Takes his family, except his wife, his children, I think they were 10. And so he's had uh, lost his his farms and his cattle. And he had 10 funerals for his children, their spouses. And so he uh, summarizes the first chapter after all that's happened. I can't imagine all that happening. Uh, to show you how uh, insulated we are, I suppose. But anyway, the moral of the story is continues as Job then responds. He looks up to, to God and says, the Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Whereas our response, the human's response, is often, why me? What did I do? And God, how could, there, how could there be a God if he allows all this to happen? Things of that nature. So Job just does just the opposite of what the typical human response would be and uh, doesn't look for blame, says, the Lord gave it to me, and the Lord can take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, no matter what happens. So his first response is to turn his attention to God. So uh, then Job continues, 
in his discussion in his early chapters and saying he immediately looks forward to the resurrection to the end of his life by saying, I truly believe that I'll see the Lord walking on the face of the earth again. Hmm. And uh, indicating some awareness he had of what was going on in the Garden of Eden. We don't really know when the book of Job was written. Um, there's some there's some discussions on that that will probably uh, take longer than I would even want to tend to go into. But the point <laughs> is, the first thing he does is look up to God and acknowledge his maker and give him authority over his whole life. I think that's an important lesson. And if we ever get pulled into the trap of wanting to find blame for whatever's happening, Job would give us uh, an understanding that isn't, that's probably not the response that would help you work through it. Mm -hmm. And I think Job did have confidence in it. He was frustrated with God, and it's okay to get upset at God. God doesn't mind when we lack understanding and maybe question things. So Job looks up to God and gives him credit for who he is and all his, his power. Then he looks forward to the day that his Lord and Savior are going to uh, come in fashion whatever it's going to be to be on the earth again as he was in the garden. And then he looks inward. And as he examines his own life, he says, as we would say, many of us, uh, after calling God a little bit, saying, if I could get you on the witness stand, I'd like to uh, ask you some questions. And so the Lord finally shows up after uh, Job's friends come in and he's trying to and why all this happening as you do and, and it's your fault so they get we get the typical response from his friends uh, who at the end are in trouble and god says to them you better ask your friend job for uh for some relief on this matter and ask him to uh, approach me on your behalf because if you don't you're gone because they presumed themselves to be God, didn't they? And Job mm -hmm. didn't. Mm -hmm. Big difference, I think. And so uh, as we look forward, it takes some of the revenge and the sting of our own challenges and things that happen in our life. I've made enough bad choices in my life to not need to blame anybody except myself. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't, haven't fallen into this trap yet of blaming God. So, um, after looking forward to the day the Lord would come back in his sense, be on his presence on the earth, and this is obviously before the Christian era, doesn't know about the crucifixion, and yet, uh, who knows what he knew, we don't. But he then looks to himself and he had been building along on that, asking the questions of, uh, you know, why does this happen? I'd like to get God to show up so I could ask some questions. And, and God finally shows up as he, uh, as the book wor works its way through the advice of his three friends. And the way God shows up is a, is a, a continued support for the depth of God's understanding and his uh, challenge that he has of expressing himself to us 
And so to get Job into to a point where he can be influenced by God's opinion, the Lord says to him, you wanted to ask me questions, but first let me ask you some questions. <laughs> and he asked him 62, I think, 62 or 63 questions in a row. And Job doesn't know the answer to any one of them. And the first one is, where were you, Job, when I set the horizon in place? <laughs> oh, how about that? <laughs> you've, been living, you've been living with 62 questions you don't know the answer to, and you're trying to confront me with one or two of your naive questions yourself and want to put me on the witness stand? Answer these questions, sir. Let's see what you know here. And, of course, he doesn't know any of them. And so it overwhelms Job with the fact that all of his life he's been living with these questions he couldn't answer and it didn't bother him at all. Mm -hmm. And that, that, Kyler, is a specific situation in life that we can bring ourselves to. It's called some level of spiritual intimacy with God. Intimate, intimacy in its, uh, in its most useful state, its useful definition, is the, a friendship that will allow you to live with questions that you can't answer, and it doesn't injure the relationship at all. Hmm. And um, Job finally gets to experience that, and he puts his questions that he was a little worried about why is all this happening? And uh, God it never does answer that for him, but in the sense he does, because Job says when God finally showed up and spoke with him, I realized how foolish I was and how unprepared I was to uh, ask God questions. And the the amazing beauty of the intimacy that results in that is, Job says, I didn't know what I was talking about when I questioned you on these matters. What Compared to what God ultimately is, his thoughts and his ways are so high above ours that we have uh, no capacity to, uh, to understand them or to apply them or let alone express them or answer them. We live with lots and lots of questions as to how God did all this. And we're told just the brief discussion in Genesis about how he created it all. And that's enough of an answer for us to realize that we look around and see the evidence of the very thing that he said. world yeah. was covered with water, the surface, and the darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Lord said, let there be light. Let there be light. And light, light is the ultimate expression of God. When they go up on the Mount of Transfiguration, of Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, they go up. And lo and behold, Jesus transforms into his uh, whatever expression of his heavenly form might be that his his presence shone like like an amazing light 
And lo and behold, there were two other people with him. Who were those? That was Moses and Elijah, I believe. There you go, Elijah and Moses. And uh, this is the same Moses that God said, you're not going to get to go into the promised land, at least while he was alive. And the angels buried Moses. But now here we find him. Where is he? He's in the promised land. Of course, he's in that he's in that special heavenly form. Uh, so the the capacity to understand light and what God is, he's talking in terms of that light came to Job in God's communication with him about all the things he didn't understand, hmm. and he, now he now he puts it in focus, and. He's uh, more than ever now, he's aware of who God is. And he's had this unique time with God, these moments with him where God converses with him. And he now sees as his life plays out, God turns the tables on him and gives him all the stuff back, only more. Mm -hmm. And so the simple equation of having it all and losing it all and regaining it all. It's the lessons that Job was able to live out and to think about as he went through that process. He was the greatest man in the East. He was already a very special man. So Job was able to uh, have a conversation with the Creator realizing that who God was and what his power was and what he could do and what he allows to happen without losing intimacy or his relationship with Job. And that's the test for all of us. Do we in our trials look up to God? Capacity to strengthen our bonds of relationship with God lies in our choices. Mm -hmm. Lies in our choices. And uh, we, can, we could, as David had the opportunity to sit there and argue with his brothers, but he didn't. Because he already knew that God had singled him out to be king. He didn't know when it's going to happen, but so he already knew he was on a special journey. I think Job knew that he was on a special journey before this all happened, that God had truly blessed him. And then when it's taken away, it wasn't just the, the view of what he had here on earth that influenced who Job was. His picture was much bigger of where his future was. He looked up to God immediately and looks forward to resurrection when he'll get a chance to see the Lord again. And he certainly looked within, realizing, I didn't know what I was talking about. Hmm. You know, so he didn't try to assume that he was some special person, but rather that all the unique special properties that are in play come from the Lord. Amen. And if we can surrender our daily episodes and put them into a frame 
that someone like somewhat like Job's. There's room in there for us to question God. He doesn't. He didn't get upset at that. He got upset at his three friends who tried to give human answers. Mm. So if we fall, if we fall into the trap of trying to answer our own questions, uh, we can very easily be swayed by what we think we have, or what power, influence, or understanding we have. The ultimate sense of expression of belief, which is what Job has done, he has trusted and believed God. And the fruit of belief, as faith grows in our life, the fruit of faith is understanding. Mm, at the wow. end of that, Job says, I understand now. I understand how insignificant my case was and how amazing the case that God presented to me was and made him um, feel smaller, I'm sure. <laughs> when he talks about how do you put a horizon in place, uh, it might be a little bit over my head. <laughs> so... So he put all that in perspective, and what it did was cement his intimacy with God. He could live with the questions that he didn't have the answers to because there was plenty of room for him to see God's glory in all that he has done, whether it's giving to us or whether it's taking away. Open doors for me, Lord, that need to be open. Close doors that need to be closed. Help me to see the difference in those things. Mm-hmm. And to not come up with excuses to blame God or to accuse God, even in thought, let alone in deed. So our capacity to deal with difficult days, which we've had some before, we're going to have more certainly fits within the parameters or the framework of these special, unique experiences that Job had. And through it all, he trusted God. Man, that's right. So that's that's kind of the uh, summary of the Job story that I use in some phone calls, some dialogue with people. A couple of people, I'm thinking of one that's really going through a tough time right now, but it's starting to starting to work out for them and we've been doing this a long time so patience is uh, certainly what was attributed to job and we need to certainly express it ourselves yeah well you know and i was wondering while you're talking um you know how how do you think we can position our hearts to say to stay soft in hard times instead of being hardened by our experiences and what we're going through seems like job was had a softer heart towards God, even in the trials. So how do we, as Christians, position our heart to stay soft? It's, um, it's inter- interesting that there, we make value decisions on the basis of comparison. And we compare last season's football record with what's coming up this season's record. And we, we tend to have this capacity to put everything in some kind of a reference point of comparison. And the, uh, all, the encouragement that I take from something like Job would be that his loss is substantially more emotionally you know, dismantling 
than any loss I've had or potentially probably could have um, because the, uh, the the forces of Satan haven't been loosed on me in the same sense that it was upon Job. God knew ahead of time Job's character and um, what was going on. So he had set the parameters for Satan. But I think the the takeaway for me is to compare and continually talk about the blessings that the Lord has given me in my life. And uh, in the Psalms, it says repeatedly in our prayers, in our prayers to declare God's love in the morning and his faithfulness at night. Mm-hmm. That's an intriguing uh, connection. Every morning we wake up and we'll comment and we'll read some of the favorite psalms and stuff and reflect on how much God has loved us and, and does love us and thanking him for sending his son. Uh, all of that, It would. it's one thing to uh, die for a friend. We know that, and we see people do that. It's another thing to give one of your children. See, I'll let one mm. of my children die for you. That's a different level of uh, awareness that we really don't have. So the declaring over and over again God's blessings in our life tend to overwhelm my, uh, they tend to fill my awareness during the day. I keep reminding myself that what I said this morning was this. Look, I said, Lord, this is going to be a great day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, we say that back and forth a couple of times. And it, uh, I, if it's cloudy, I'd say that's okay because I carry my sunshine inside me. I don't need the <laughs> sun. So comparatively, I try to start the day with remembering the love of the Lord and his expressions of love and care and concern for us and how much he, how much he loves us and uh, the, all the different descriptions of his love and the price that he paid for us. And as the day plays out, uh, and I have ups and downs like anyone else, uh, and now it's time for us to go to bed, and we uh, we pray again. And what should we be thinking about at evening time? And in my little frame of reference, I'm sure enough the Lord's been faithful all day. I declare his love in the morning and his faithfulness at night. And those two things tend to be somewhat of an anchor as it relates to my daily choices and how I view things. I tend to, I tend to try to do what C.S. Lewis said about himself. C.S. Lewis said, uh, Book of James, what is it? He said, visit the widows and orphans in their needs. <clears throat> and uh, that's pure religion, to take care of those in need, reach out to them share the love of God, um, and keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, that's a challenge. Yeah. And Lewis said, Lewis said his technique for keeping himself unspotted from the world was not to read the newspapers. <laughs> he didn't want to read the local news because it's all bad, right? Right. 
look what it is now. I, I, I don't watch the local news. I, I get a little bit of the news that Judy watches on Fox, which is a disaster, too, with all the politics of everything. <laughs> I, I just purposely try to limit that. I have uh, this, the stoic principle of the Greeks was separate. The best choice you can make is to separate the elements of your life into two categories, things I can control and things I can't control. And I'm going to work on things I can control, something I can do something about. So every Sunday night I sit down and I write out my work, a little card that I carry. It has Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday again, another another service, Lord's Day. So I write out all those things that, that I have been accumulating or my notes from last week or the appointments or commitments I've already made. I reaffirm them by writing them in the new, fresh, clean weekly calendar. And I add, I put everything on there. And I'm not suggesting anybody else do this. But, uh, but for me, it's worked, and I've been doing it for 60 years almost now. Anyway, um, I, I put everything on it. If i got to pick up my shirts at the dry cleaner, I put that on there. If, if Judy wants me to get milk and bring it home, I put milk down. And if I have to stop by the store and get something for her, that gets on my list. They're kind of on the right-hand side. And on the left-hand side, I, I, I put down my appointments and the calls. And most of mine are phone calls and, and uh, encouragement sessions with uh, company, little companies I work with or the or the phone calls I have with some of the people that I reach out to encourage on the phone. So all of that uh, tends to keep me busy without me worrying about things I can't control. Yeah. I, I, I do worry about things and I do see danger ahead and things of that nature, but I'm, to attribute too much influence in my life to these things I can't control is to say, uh, Lord, I do trust you, but boy, this one's really worrying me. And mm. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one over and worry about it myself. I try not to do that. Yeah, that's now that really good. I, 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 I say to myself, trying is a noisier way of not doing it. <laughs> and Obi-Wan Kenobi or whoever it was said to Luke Skywalker, do or do not, there is no try. Yep. So I want to work on things on my list or things I can do something about. I can send someone an email. I can send them uh, uh, an article I want to talk about. I can call them or text them and schedule an appointment, things I can control. And if I slip into the other side of that and worry about things I can't control, it robs me of the time. I can't afford the negative thought process because hmm. it, it just distracts me and pulls my energy away that I need to use on other things. So for the, for the most part, I'm able to uh, manage that with the Lord's help. He's faithful and just to help us. Hmm. And when I ask for his help and ask him open doors and uh, do things, I uh, 
I'm not as observant, observant as I should be to recognize that he's answering it. I usually find out in the rearview mirror what he did, but uh, I still give him credit for his faithfulness because I know he is faithful and he'll never leave us. Amen. Yeah, I think that's a hard thing to do sometimes is to kind of block out all the noise that the world throws at us with social media and the news and newspapers and, you know, it's been kind of interesting because God's taken away a lot of those distractions with, uh, you know, sports being shut down and uh, casinos being shut down and movie theaters being shut down where we (laughs) able to slow down a little bit, but the news hasn't stopped. So. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And the uh, the more we realize that, uh, say, the person that you are today, Kyler, is directly related to the areas of your life, the commitments that you've chosen to be responsible for. Hmm. Your responsibility, the areas of your life that you opportunities have come to you, the ones that you've chosen to take responsibility for make you who you are. Yeah, that's really good. We need to be responsible for our tongue, what we say. We need to be responsible for what we think. Paul tells us in Corinthians, the weapons we fight with, chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10, I think, start about verse 5, says the weapons we fight with aren't the weapons of the world. Instead, we, the weapons, we have have the power to tear down strongholds that are set up against us. What are the strongholds that are set up against us? Well, the same things that almost everybody deals with our habits of greed, our jealousy, our selfishness, our pride, whatever form it might take. Weapons that we have are not like the weapons of the world. And then he describes it as being the ability to take our thoughts captive Mm -hmm. and bring them to a point of obedience to Jesus Christ. He says, that's your ultimate weapon. Control what you think about. Old Testament, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So God has made it possible for us to control our thoughts. And if we, if we close our eyes and reflect on our day and think about opportunities and minimize the distractions that visually come to us, it's easier for us then to think in terms of what are the elements of my day that I should be thinking about. And make the notes or whatever it is that you want to do to to do that. Bring those thoughts, take those thoughts under control, and make them obedient to Christ. Hmm. He says that is the weapon that he's given us. And he supports it with the only offensive weapon that he gave us was the sword of the Spirit, which is the word. We memorize the verses of Scripture. He'll bring them to our defense. We'll be able to call them up and use them in a timely fashion, bringing those thoughts to our remembrance by controlling our thoughts and training ourselves to remember, memorize, 
his thoughts, good thoughts, his verses, uh, ones that ring a bell for us, one that kind of fit into our uh, challenges we have. Proverbs 11, 25, you know, water Kyler's garden and God will water gems. Mm. So can we, can we control how we encourage others? Yes, we can. Mm -hmm. Is the Lord involved in that when you reach out, reach out to take care of one of his kids? Yeah, yeah, it is. And in fact, we know that it works that way in human nature. If you got a neighbor and you help out their kids a time or two when they were in need and mom and dad weren't around for whatever, and you reached out to help them, well, the parents think you're great. Yeah. And it's and that's exactly what we're trying to do with God. God sees value in Kyler as Kyler encourages those around him. If we can't be God's servant in encouraging those around us, who is, who is it we're going to encourage? Oh, we'll use it, use it on ourselves. Hmm. Uh, that's a fool's errand. Yeah. Do not despise the small beginnings. The Lord delights to see the work begin. Hmm. Amen. How, so, go ahead. So, well, so how do you... Uh, you know, when let's say Joe, when he had all this stuff happen, how does he not want to give up? How do we not want to give up when hard times come our way? You know, if we are losing our jobs or we lose our loved one or uh, our kids go down the wrong path or something happens and we just want to give up, throw up our hands and be like, ah, you know, how do we not give up? How do we keep pursuing the Lord, keep on the path that he has us on? Sure, again, the... the the fact that bad things are going to keep coming is uh, prophetic. They're going to they're going to continue to be there. So I think the at the risk of a very shallow answer, I I tend to anticipate uh, things. I see things that are that are wrong. In fact, in my work. I uh, get paid to do some of that, to see a train wreck happen. And I'm an outsider. I'm not, I don't work for any of these companies. I don't want to work for them. Several of them tried to hire me. I don't want to do that. I, I like being an outsider, and so I just help them work through decisions, things of that nature. So my point is, long before Job lost his family and his crops and everything, and he did reach a level of some frustration, but long before he ever lost them, he had to have such a committed heart to God that he had already said to himself before, the Lord has blessed me with this and this. He's been good to me. And it came from the hand of the Lord. And he's prepared at the same time to say, whatever plays out in the course of human history, the Lord gave it to me and the Lord can take it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm. Um, I don't think that our uh, mental acuity or power or strength is enough. I think all we can do is surrender our circumstances to the Lord. When things, when bad things happen to people who are trying to serve the Lord, we're not we're not in a position where we can explain it or understand it. 
we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. And even these, even these things that hurt, pain, and suffering, and lack of understanding, why did this happen? And there's, there's going to be more of them ahead of you. And I'm saying Job was prepared to acknowledge God in all of his life and every day. He isn't just the God. The, the old song goes, the God of the mountain. We're all on top of a mountain. We get to go to a workshop or something. First time I went to the Tulsa workshop, we lived in Illinois. And I it, it, they had about 10,000 people in the pavilion and got to hear them sing. I thought, man, this, this is as close to heaven as I'm ever going to get, right? You know? So my point is, I think Job had already played out these tapes in his head. When good days come, we like to think we caused that. Then they do a good job. I hit a home run or whatever. Uh, when things don't work out, we immediately have to come up with someone to blame. And that tends to be the human response. So how God's going to be able to work it out for good I'm not sure, but I know that when these things happen and I can't change them, my only, the only opportunity I have is to choose my response and I can let it take me down and say it isn't fair and my child shouldn't have died, my spouse shouldn't have had a car accident, all of those things that, that bring uncertain and difficult times. But I think we have to long before the events of life happen to us, we need to prepare. In the, in the first century, when Paul was here, people were learning how to die. Do we spend any time learning how to die? No. No, no we don't. In fact, we, we know it's an enemy. It's the last enemy. It's going to be destroyed. Death will be taken care of. In that first century, when our faith, when the faith of the believers was being tested, and Christians were being put in jail or in prison, and Christians were in the Colosseum for entertainment, people had to learn how to die mm. because death, death, and taking the dark side of all these things that happen can cause you to lose your soul. You, you can become so overwhelmed by evil that it can take us down. So mm -hmm. scripture would say, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. So can good, can good come out of the trials of this life? The only way, C.S. Lewis said again, as we get older, we become retrospective. And I personally, and Judy and I have talked about this, I can look back on a couple of events in my life, a couple periods of time in my life, when it was not a good time. Bad things were happening. And we can let that take us down. But now looking back at it from, from this stage of my life, look back and say, I can see God's hand teaching me some lessons, shaping me and molding me, whatever, mm -hmm. making, making my heart softer, uh, not as critical, 
as I've got older, I've had to make the road a little wider. I used to have a real narrow path that I expected people to follow. And I had to make it wider, but not for them, for me. Mm. I realized that I can be so critical of others and so easy to do that and develop an extra strand or two of arrogance in some sense of accomplishment. Mm. No, it doesn't work that way. And the Lord will put us through things. So Paul, with all of his special revelations, what does he say the Lord did to him to help him prepare for what was coming? The Lord gave me a thorn in the flesh. Hmm. Oh, how about that? So the Lord knows how human nature works. He created us. He's given us access to his word to guide us to teach us, to help us, to encourage us, to tell the story of his love in the morning Mm. and his faithfulness at night. And as those things play out, I'm better prepared to face difficulties that are going to come to me or to my loved ones as they already have. I have uh, my oldest grandson in rehab you know, he's he's about out, he's doing very well now, and he's he's on, they've moved him up to being on staff to help others of these opens. He had some back surgery, and next thing you know, he's got too many pills, and uh, a lot of bad things happened, and we finally got him to a place where he could or either face jail, or he could go to some rehab, and uh, he's been there now several months, and probably be there for another six months or a year. I don't know. But at this stage, what does it take to prepare parents and grandparents to be able to, in spite of all this good, what could this work out to be? This might be the very saving grace for this young man. It might be the lesson that he could learn no other way. We're not smart enough to be able to lay that all out. But that. When those things happen, as they did to Job, I think what happened in Job's life leading up to that gave him the strength to do a better job than you and I would. Or I know I would, maybe not you. Yeah, no. I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah just scary, right? You just, you know, yeah, I would hope so. my response would be, you know, you give and take away my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. You know, yeah. that's... Yeah. That's yeah. that wants to be my that that's what my I want my position to be, but man, I can't imagine. They asked Wydell, they asked Wydell Moody, the Chicago preacher, one time. This was back in the thirties, forties. He said, uh, "Mr. Moody, if uh, you were put beyond the firing squad as a martyr for for Jesus, could you do that?" And he said. Uh, could I give my life for the Lord? Could I surrender my life? He said, I don't know. But if I know this, if the Lord wanted me to do it, he could give me the strength. Mm. And I think that's that's about the most mature answer. Are there times ahead that are going to be tough? Yes. Lord, give me the strength to be able to see the path that you want me to take. Give me the courage to face tomorrow, trusting you and your word. It helped me to hide your words in my heart so I can live my life 
on your terms, mm. not mine. Amen. I appreciate it. That was awesome. Well, we see ourselves in that puzzle. There's lots of pieces. Yeah. Yeah, there but, is. Yeah. Well, and it seems like, you know, the world right now is shaking and people are shaking and they either have a relationship with God or they don't. And hopefully this drives them closer to that, you know, to having, to having a relationship with the Lord. So they do have something to hold on to in hard times because without that, I don't know what you do. Uh, Uh, Exactly right. Exactly right. People who have no, have no hope. That's what suicide, that's what precedes suicide. No options, no hope. Yeah. They leave notes. All hope is gone. They got out of hope. Yeah, but they're, they're, the problem is people put their hope in the wrong things. You know, they put their hope yes. in money and success and promotions yeah. and family and houses and cars and prestige. Yes. <laughs> all the things that Joe didn't because when he lost them all, he still held on to what mattered most. Yeah. Well, it says he was the greatest man in the East. That had to be special. And he speaks similarly of Abraham. Hmm. So God uh, recognizes what's going on with this. And he he singles out some of these people to be special leaders. And uh, uh, I'm thankful that uh, your heart, he's turned your heart to uh ministry for us to contact us you've been such a joy to us and such an encouragement and uh, your willingness to step up and to continue to make these contributions and help and encouragement uh, means a lot often our best young men go into the business world they don't want to go to ministry Mm. but i really believe you're one of those exceptions you've obviously had success in business world but through your grandparents and your parents and opportunities that you've had a chance to experience somehow the lord turned your heart and i'm thankful that he did he's been pulling it for a long time (laughs) i appreciate your encouragement jim it means a lot wow thank you jim thanks for joining us it was a great great message that you brought today really enjoyed getting to hear jim talk about adversity and how to overcome that you know like we talked about without hope without jesus what do we hold on to we hold on to our stuff we hold on to our successes and i hope today that this reminds you that the only thing that we can hold on to with any significance is jesus christ and our relationship with him the lord is in control and when things go south we can know that we can lean and rely on him i love that jim talked about waking up in the morning and remembering God's love and going to sleep and remembering his faithfulness. In the mornings, his love. In the evening, his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. And we know that we are more than conquerors in Christ. So I pray that you guys have been encouraged by this. Uh, Before we go, I would like to say a prayer. Dear God, you are so good. We thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your love. And I pray that you would help us to remember to rely on you when times get tough, to not 
cursed you and turn her back on you, but to draw closer to you, to come to the well that never runs dry, that you will be there for us in our times of trouble, that we will remember to go to you in the good times and the bad, that we will always be able to say, blessed be your name, no matter whether you give or take away. We know that everything we have is yours, and we hold it loosely because we know it's not ours anyway. It's yours, Lord. Help us to honor you with our lives. Help us to continue to be new creations, and help us to continue to capture the wonder that you have in our lives, Lord, and in this world. You are so good, and we just thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope this was encouraging to you guys, and I hope to see you next time on Capturing Wonder. God bless. Have a great week.